comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. Foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show for our third episode of the week. Uh, I am Jordan Wiegand and with me today is a man who has a cat over his shoulder (laughs) again, Logan Stump. Uh, every time we start one of these, it's every single time we start. She one just of these, wants the spotlight. She wants I, to be up there. Yeah, so I told my wife that too. I was like, okay, but Hazel's gotten to the point now where she's just craved the attention because she's seen Twitter. She's right? a diva, right? She's seen tweet, you know, the tweets that have been going around about her. She knows that Doyle's a huge fan, um, and she's she's made multiple appearances on Twitter. Um, I remember back in the day when we first started this um, with me, it was like we would tweet Doyle um about hazel watching doyle and watching weeby and all of them uh, on extra time and now she's just become like this legend and now she's getting a bigger head because she's been on twitter now uh, she's become part of the show um so i think people are going to start to expect it jordan i think people that follow us that have seen the tweets are going to start to expect at least an appearance right yeah can we get her a little kit or something i think we could i uh, she gets really cold at night too so i think it'd be great um to get her like a little kit. I don't maybe like change it out or like at least a little scarf, you know, like a, like a collar or something that looks like a, a, a NLS scarf or something. I'm sure we can figure something. It would be cool if she had like an Orlando kit because like they're the lion, you know, they have like the lions <laughs> yeah. and you like know, the that's pride. like a, yeah. And it's yeah. like a, you know, a, a relative of the cat. So that would be, that'd be fun. I think we can make it work. I'll have to talk to her about it, but yeah, we'll see what, we'll see what happens, I guess. Well, we're not here to talk about Hazel. Um, hmm. We're actually here to talk about something that starts with an H, though. Who? Are, yeah. What are we talking about, Logan? So we're going to be talking about the Houston Dynamo, Jordan. Uh, so we're going to have Andres back on uh, from uh, Foxtrot. Like, you'll know him as Foxtrot on Twitter. Uh, he's now got a, a fun podcast that he does with his co-host. His name's Tony. Um, and they do uh, Noodle Time episodes. So that, that's what the podcast is called. I think it's a pretty cool name. Um and he's got like this whole Fox thing on tap. Like I think it's, it's like he's cornered this market on being the Foxes, uh, which is really cool. So um, yeah, we had him on last year to do the 2021 season preview. Uh, and I know last year they were, they were feeling a little bit better about their chances, but uh, I would say. This is, uh, this is my first time meeting uh, yeah, him. I, I wasn't on here last year cause I was working. 
right yeah so it was uh yeah this was early jordan this was uh so last time that we did an episode with andres it uh he was the one that we went literally like 15 minutes and i didn't record it yes i remember (laughs) i didn't record it and then my wi-fi wouldn't work it was like the i was like sweating profusely because i I wanted all to go well and you know i was just starting and it was your first one on your own it was like our second preview Mm-hmm. It was the first one I couldn't be there for, mm-hmm. and your first time doing an MLS one by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you did the Disney one for a bit by yourself, but y- mm-hmm. you hadn't done like a, a guest one by yourself, right? No, I've never done a guest one by myself, and I've never, I mean, unless it was you, uh, which is always comfort. Uh, but yeah, I've never had a guest on. I was really nervous. Um, I was just learning MLS, so I was trying to take it all in. Uh, and trying to figure out who the Houston Dynamo were in about a span of a couple of weeks. But I felt like it went well, but their, their season did not. So um, hopefully it wasn't me that, that cursed them, but uh, uh, everything you read, it was, you know, last year probably was the worst year in Dynamo history. Uh, a lot of people are saying, so it should be interesting to kind of get his take. Uh, and it made me a huge signing today, um, which teams tend to do when we're having them previewed. So what you're saying is you can only go up from here. Honestly, yeah, uh, I think it with again, I think we talked about this in the San Jose preview that's going to drop. Um, that has already dropped. Uh, we talked about the fact that uh, without Cincinnati, they'd have been the wooden spoon. So comforting, I know. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> they may not have that luxury this year with, yeah. with Cincinnati rehauling, mm-hmm. uh, overhauling, but it seems like maybe Houston is as well. So we'll ask uh, we'll, we'll ask Andreas about that. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll welcome in our guest. Hey, Logan. Hey, Jordan. How's it going? Going good. Do you remember last year when we talked CBA stuff for MLS before the season kicked off? Yeah, that was a wild time. I was kind of nervous that the season wasn't going to start. You know, it started getting down to like the last couple weeks and no season. Do you know what? Uh, other professional league may not have a season this year. I mean, I've heard that the underwater basket weaving club and league have kind of gone under, but who else? I I haven't heard. Major League Baseball. They locked their players out, and they are in negotiations right now, and it's not looking good. And if you want to hear more information on that, we will be recording an episode of our Extra Innings Baseball show. Uh, next week and we'll be talking whoever gets in the hall of fame if anybody gets in the hall of fame uh, next week as well or you can listen to any of our previous available episodes Uh, we did talk about the initial lockout uh, when it first happened so you can go listen to those if you want to watch some videos on some beautiful stadiums that i have visited and the hall of fame i have started doing a baseball bucket list uh, that is on youtube And so far, I've done an episode on the Hall of Fame and two episodes on Camden Yards and seeing Shohei Otani pitch and hit. So, uh, been a good time. We're, you know, we're really still in the infancy of of launching that. I think uh, it's been maybe a blessing in disguise that the CBA talks are going on right now because we're doing all these previews for MLS right now. But if you are a baseball fan, I don't know how many people overlap with, with MLS on that but if you are you can check that out it is uh called the extra innings baseball show you can search that uh the links 
will be in the description of the video. Um, but yeah, if you want to hear Logan talk some Cubs, me talk some Orioles, and us talk Major League Baseball all together, you can follow us there. And we are back from our break, and we have Andres Naranjo uh, with us today from the Foxtrot. How are you today, Andres? Hey, guys. Um, very ecstatic uh, with the news today about Sebastian Ferreira and the international spot, the extra one. So it's um, a lot of things going on in the next couple of weeks with the preseason starting, too. Yeah, so we had you on last year to talk some Dynamo. And I know uh, last year, um, at least on my perspective, in my perspective, it was kind of um, kind of a wait and see season. They had gone out and gotten Parker. They had, you know, tried to solidify some defense. Um, they they've had a couple of nice attacking pieces, but Jordan and I, uh, and and they started well because Jordan and I did a live stream of them and the, the Quakes uh, to start the season, and we had you know watching Houston. It looked like they had at least kind of shored up some of the issues. Uh, it was really quick and really early on, but it had seemed uh, like it was going to go better. And then it kind of fell apart towards the end. Um, and that's kind of like leading into what our, our first question. Um, well, actually, uh, you know, where can people find your stuff? I, I know um, there's different uh, avenues that you use uh, to get in touch with a lot of the Houston fan base. So can you kind of tell us where people can find your stuff? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I'm mostly active on Twitter uh, at Dynamic Foxtrot. That's been the place where I started um, essentially six years ago. I, I was mostly just posting a lot of Dynamo stuff, Dynamo-related news as well as Dash um, and Toros whenever they were their own affiliates. And, and yeah, now uh, now with my podcast, Noodle Time, that I started last year, um, I'm mostly on YouTube as well, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, a lot of those, um, the most popular platforms as well. So, um and yeah, um, yeah, it's just a lot of Dynamo talk, uh, which is, has been my passion for almost ten years now. So, and um, it's it's very fun. All right, so if you want, uh, can you kind of reflect on the 2021 season uh, with the Dynamo? Uh, what went wrong in Houston? Um, maybe what are some positives that you can kind of take away from last season heading into the 2022 uh, campaign this year? Oh yeah, and. Uh, and you mentioned uh, the very first game against San Jose Earthquakes mm -hmm. last year, which we thought that Tab Ramos and the team had like a, uh, a, an idea as to how to bounce back from the last several years. And obviously this being Tab's very first professional gig as a, as a head coach, and especially in MLS, it seemed pretty demanding. And back then, I can recall myself being pretty optimistic um, in those circumstances. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, like we, like we thought... We thought he had a, a, some some idea of like to apply, uh, like or like a game plan throughout the season, and it turns out that it wasn't the case at all. Um, it was mostly, especially like halfway through the season, whenever we entered that uh, sixteen game uh, winless streak, mm -hmm. um, we learned a lot of things about Tab and the team, and and yeah, it was just like. Um, for the most part, it's been a combination of the, of those um, annoyances with Tab as well as our thoughts with like have <laughs> have the squad because like we felt like every single game we were just playing for uh, the a draw or we're just gonna win this game in like the in the most unlikely scenario, uh, which I felt like this team has just been like trying to throw something uh, against the wall to see what sticks and. Overall, like it was so depressing, and especially for me since I've been 
uh, watching like all all the Dynamo games, especially this past um, uh, seven years. Um, mm -hmm. uh, this was a new low, and especially um, uh, trying to keep aside what happened with Tetsi Ball coming in in the middle of the season. Uh, it was extremely like bad. Like it was actually the worst season in Dynamo history. Like mm -hmm. which which is something. And and I, before I get to negatives though, like the only positive last year was just the fact that we somehow got back El Capitan from Nessie Dallas um, <laughs> after three years, somehow. Other than that, like, everything else was extremely bad because the Dynamo never finished in last place of the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, like, before they moved. Mm -hmm. they, they never finished last in, in the in the conference uh, in back-to-back -back seasons, and they did that last year. And they also... Um, it was also the first time in club history that they didn't win a single road game in the entire season. And it's also the very first time um, uh, they finished the season with a with a low uh, with the lowest point percent average in club history, which was 0.88. And you just look at those stats, and uh, and one stat that, that really came to mind was from Sa Sam Stechko. He does um, he works for the Athletic. Mm -hmm. uh, he did bring in this stat um, right around uh, the end of the season was the Tab Ramos uh, becoming the head coach with the lowest point per game average in MLS history after 50 games, yeah, which is .91. And, and yeah, like, it, it, and just going back to that, um, um, when I told you about, like, uh, the, the main worry last season being that Tab was, like, very inexperienced, and mm -hmm. we, we tried to bring him in as um, as a guy to help develop develop the, uh, the homegrowns, or at least academy players, and and bringing like a new, this new identity, it didn't work out at all. And I feel like, and obviously, uh, I don't really like to really pile on tab because it, it wasn't mostly his fault, which was also followed Matt Jordan and like the lack of vision by him as well as Gerald Brenner, who used to be our majority owner. And honestly, that's pretty depressing to see because like uh, when I, uh, in the few occasions I got to meet Tab, uh, especially when speaking to the media, he, he seems like a really, uh, amazing person as well, uh, very professional, and it feels bad that he he um, got into those circumstances. But at the same time, um, the game the game the decisions that he made over the course of the season cost causes us that and got us into that situation as well. So um, it's it's a little bit of both, you know, of Matt Matt Jordan's negligence as well as um, Tab's decisions on the field, which cost cost us this and made this made last season the, the way it is. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that uh, just speaking about Tab, like I, I think I remember when he was announced, a lot of people in just MLS Twitter and, and circles thought it was a good hire. I was never big on Tab due to his tenure with like the U.S. Uh, with the U.S. under twenty three teams uh, and not qualifying for the Olympics, so I was not ever as high on that. Now, positioning, you mentioned, you know. Um, they have a new majority owner of the Dynamo, Ted uh, Siegel. Is that right, Siegel or Segal? Uh, Ted Siegel, yeah. Ted Siegel, okay. And uh, new general manager and Pat Onstad. Uh, looking ahead, what do you think the focus is for those two um, coming into this team for the Dynamo? And uh, do you think that there's a first order of business as the 2022 season approaches and how they can return the Dynamo to relevancy. Yeah, uh, obviously there's going to be a lot of work to do. Uh, but when, uh, be, like, uh, Ted Seagal came in, and like it was in the, in the middle of the season, and you actually 
like it's it's pretty much hard to believe just based on the last eight years because he comes in as the new majority owner, essentially replacing Gabriel Brenner and adjusting the minority ownership. But he now has the control of stake over Gabriel Brenner and and like all of us, like and especially um um like the, the hardcore hardcore fans like me, um it's um it it sounded like a blessing, but at the same time, like we are uh keeping things um we're essentially thinking things when I get an assault we are pretty much uh, cautiously optimistic at that point because at that point it's pretty much okay we've got a new owner uh we don't know much about him and like the information based on the information that was available online um we didn't find much really like he he we just found like a couple pictures and that's it and uh, there's there isn't that that much information uh, especially sporting wise they he doesn't seem to have like like um sports focus background which was also like a little bit worrying but from the main uh since he took over like back in june um he pretty much like promised us all these things um that uh we we had to first uh see it in action to believe um obviously with us like being in a situation where like gabriel Benner didn't do really much Aside of the uh, aside of like bringing in a helping, uh, to an extent helping bring in Albert Feliz outside of uh, Wilmer Cabrera's um, influence, I like to say. But other than that, like um, the bad outweighs the good in this situation, and and he he comes in like and he brings this uh, somewhat relief because in the main fr- press conference, like he announces a uh, like a designated player immediately, uh, being like Tina Chadebe, and. It's it's one of those things like the little things that that he mentions, and obviously, t- taking into consideration that we had to like wait for the the main decisions to happen. Like this is one of those things, and the promises that he made that gave us some relief, like especially us that uh, the fans, and and from there, like it's been it's been an, it, it's been very interesting to see how everything develops because he Matt Jordan is fired like two months later after his announcement, and then. Uh, around two months later, um, Pat Onstad, which is like this insane figure, like in the Dynamo circles, because like not only, obviously his main influence is as a as a player, like he he was this legend that that won us two MLS Cups like back like 15 years ago, you know, um, this guy, and obviously with the background that he developed with the Columbus Crew and in MLS after he retired, um, he brings in this guy, and immediately we think. Okay, this guy is serious. <laughs> he, he like uh, we because we will never figure out that Pat Onstad would come back, especially in this situation. And um, assuming that Tetsugal will never come in, and from there we, we figured out that okay, Tetsugal is not kidding around. He is for sure wants to b- build a program here, and and yeah, well, well he also like develops a technical a director program uh, position, and he makes all the decisions uh, based on on what has been going on with the Dynamo for the past several years. And uh, obviously I feel like the, the, um, the most painful one so far is either um, relieving tab, even though you can understand why, because like coming out of the worst season in the club's history, you have to make that decision, but that's pretty much part of the business um, and the way things are. And that one, and I like to say Bonia Garcia uh, being uh, moving on to play He's potentially retiring in in Honduras, but I feel like that's one of the situations that you have to understand that he may want to play more 
and those minutes mean he may not get those minutes anymore in Houston at his age. And and yeah, and just looking at the things that I'm looking at the most, um, especially uh, this year heading in ahead into the next ten years, um, like both uh, Ted Seagal and Pat Onstad have emphasized how they want to create this culture, and uh, obviously like the the creation of this culture, like it has been said like a handful of times, especially by, by Matt Jordan when he was here. And uh, whenever he said it though, uh, like no one believed him. And in this situation, obviously with uh, the promises that have been fulfilled by testing also far and the plan, or at least the vision that Pat Onstead, as, as far as we understand, uh, he wants to uh, create um, this culture or at least like a, like a winning culture just based on on fulfilling or at least like receiving all the resources from Ted Seagal, which has been done so far. And uh, creating this culture and an investment, I feel like it's one of those thing, things that um, has been fulfilled so far by the team. Although it's it's a long way to go uh, because we obviously the results are going to speak for themselves and results are going to think that, that are the things that are going to matter as well. So um, they the culture and investment, I feel like it's one of those things that have been promised the most. And, and yeah, and honestly, those things that us as fans are looking forward to. I just wanted to add something here real quick too. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the two um, MLS cup wins. The first, one of the first MLS games I remember ever going to is actually the 2007 MLS cup. Um, Cause it was at RFK and I, I'm, I'm up here in Maryland. So it was just an hour and a half drive. And I remember seeing, you know, Houston uh, defeat uh, the Rebs in 2007. So it was a good time. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, too, because it, it – and, Andres, we, we talked last year because they were going through that rebrand, um, and they were, they were talking about the club culture. They were trying to build something. And I and while you – I think you hit it right on the head. Whenever, every, every time that – and I was much more on the tab uh, good side. Um, I, I like tab. I, I thought that – you know, given the right resources, given the team that he needed, I do think eventually he'd have become something. But again, I think it was just a, a matter of not getting the right personnel. There was issues, obviously, with the team not performing very well. Um, but again, I, I I was much more on the, like, keep him around, maybe see what happens. Um, and a lot of that had to do with just the fact that I, I thought that uh, there just wasn't that coach out there that I thought really fit their system just just yet or you know the the money wasn't going to be spent in that case last year but then they get in this new uh ownership they get in this new gm they start to put together technical directors uh coaches that they kind of see as this vision of being the future dynamo um and kind of returning them back to the powerhouse uh and in speaking in that um you know pat onstead had um pretty much his hand in everything um uh, over the last couple of years he's been an assistant coach he's been a chief scout um, he's done some technical directing, uh, with a couple of the MLS clubs, um, since 2011. And then he goes out and he brings in, uh, a head coach, um, that'll replace Tab Ramos, uh, in Paolo uh, Nagamura, who comes from Sporting Casey's, uh, two, uh, which is their academy team, their youth team. Um, and, uh, Nagamura has had a hand in a couple of the youth players that have kind of come through that system. Uh, SKC seems to be really good at churning out some really good talent. He had uh, he worked with uh, Gianluca Busio, who now plays for Venezia uh, uh, over in Italy in Serie A. Um, so he's had his success uh, at that level. Um, but Jordan and I are curious because 
this was one of those signings and Jordan and I texted back and forth the day that it happened when it was announced. And we're like, okay, I'm not really sure in which way to really think about this because one, he has no experience in MLS. He's got no experience in professional coaching while he did play and was very successful as a player. There was obviously concerns about a rookie stepping into a, a role in MLS. Can you kind of speak to the new head coach and are, are fans concerned that this might be like a tab Ramos you know, squared, like it, it's a, it's another issue of bringing in a coach that might not be ready for uh, what the Dynamo want uh, for their success and their progress throughout MLS. Yeah, I think the, the biggest reason, uh, the biggest worry, I like to say, of, of the team right now, like, uh, or at least what fans are most commonly worried about is just a, the, if there is success with uh, Paulo Nagamura, because like bringing him in, obviously that you, you can, easily see how uh how the parallels between how they they both coach like in the sense of they focus more on talent and mm -hmm. like even even though like paul nagamura has more professional experience as an assistant and obviously coaching skc too um it's you're pretty much in the same position at, like in an essence as to how like when tab ramos was brought in because like tab ramos we has like also had experience with, with a uh youth national team and and obviously, like uh, um, coaching professionals, like it, it can be way different, especially coaching in USL for like for about four years. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, it, it's just hitting coming into that. And in the same press conference, I did manage to ask um, Pat Pat Onset about that because uh, a lot of fans are going to be really worried worried, and they're going to take it as a big risk because um, just just going back to that uh, when I told you about like. Um, the the team tried to create this culture. Um, the the way that Pat Onset answered that question was in the sense that he like he like he didn't give me like this couple sentences. Like he gave me like a like a huge answer. And like it, it was like like at the moment like it was so big like, I couldn't remember everything he said. But <laughs> like you can tell how like how like Pat was dedicated to that to to pretty much spend like the next I believe I believe it was like like three or four months, like the entire uh, coaching search that took place because like they, they did, they didn't manage to interview like a hundred candidates, but obviously they managed to break it down. And, and yeah, like it essentially comes down to them trying to go with a young coach to apply this, this, um, this new game plan. Maybe it's like a, like a vision that, that Paul Nakamura like managed to develop over time that managed to impress, um, Pat Onstead. Like also the other thing I forgot to mention is that, um, the meme, I like to say, like the meme going around with it with the fan base is just that, um, like Pat mentioned, Pat me like Pat mentioned this in this interview, but basically, um, the okay, that's my Alexa. <laughs> okay, she has an opinion as well. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, what does that sound? And okay, okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> like Pat, like. Like Pat Onstead, like even in the, in the main press conference, like he said, um, "Hey, um, like he, this guy was so impressive. Like he gave us like a hundred slide presentation about coaching." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> that a hundred slides, okay." Right. But but still, like 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 you can still you can you can see how dedicated like Pat uh, uh, Pat is is to his job and how how much he puts into it. And like it's a little bit relieving, but at the same time. Like we just have to wait and see how 
like how Paolo Nagamura develops over time, and which I feel like it's going to be the theme for the next couple of years is how how patient we are and how like the the results produce themselves. So you mentioned it earlier today a bit about uh, Sebastian Farah being announced. Um, uh, he is a striker. Dynamo only had 34 goals scored last year. He scored 34 and 78 appearances for his prior club. Um, is this? Uh, do you think this is enough to help kind of get them over the hump there, um, or is there still more needed? And what does he bring to the team? Oh yeah, the striker position last year was pretty, a little bit controversial, uh, mostly because of Christian Martinez being let go early because he wasn't getting enough minutes, and I was having to deal with Rudy as well as us shifting player the forwards around uh, to start us in nine or at least like two strikers up top, and and yeah, like just bringing in Sebastian Ferreira, especially as a as the most expensive signing in in animal history now, um, and just looking at the stats because he. Um, like you, you said it well. Like he pretty much scored. Uh, he pretty much like given us in goals just last year with uh, his whole career actually with um, um, <laughs> Libertad, and and yeah, it's just one of those signings, especially at his age. I, he, he has like a very high ceiling, and it's just very. It seems like one of those signings that you couldn't really see with um, Matt Jordan uh, a few years ago, uh, uh, except for Elise, because obviously he was like mostly. It was mostly influenced by Wilma Cabrera at the time, and and yeah, like we we just so excited to see to see in action because uh, obviously we have the piece, the piece on the wings to try help him out, it, assuming that they, they managed to go with a four three three or like a, at least like three forwards in, in the front, um, because I feel like Fabio Pico can like provide the balls as well as Tyler Pressure on the other side, uh, which which we have seen it before uh, last year, even if even at the worst situations, uh, still said they had to figure out how to. Uh, work on the transition in the in the midfield, um, and just like just to, just to try like open up those uh, those opportunities to to find to find Sebastian because uh, Sebastian is gonna be like probably Sebastian is, is probably gonna be like the most important player um, uh, this season. So I'm uh, excited, honestly. Yeah, massive signing, expensive signing, most in uh, Dynamo history, as Saul was being tweeted out. Um, and really, I, I mean, when you look at just his performances. Um, I had a chance to kind of look at uh, his YouTube uh, highlights and stuff, but it, it really, he seems to be somebody, uh, again, if you can kind of service him, um, which, you know, depending on who that might be, uh, might be the more difficult part as far as getting him the ball in dangerous spots. But it, it just, it, it seems like a really good step in the right direction. And it does seem like that uh, Onstead is really, you know, out looking deliberately for people that can get into the attack and join the attack because it, it, it really was it kind of going back through some of the stats and, and the different things that do exist in advanced stats. It seemed like the dynamo were just kind of like this revolving door of trying to figure out what exactly are we doing in the attack? Because I'm not sure that we have an idea. And if Maxi Rudy's gone and that, that was a huge concern, but if they, you know, this was yesterday when we were talking about the fact that, Sebastian was going to be announced. He'd obviously been linked for a couple of weeks, but before that, I mean, writing up this review, there were some major concerns going into, all right, who's going to score now? I mean, you've got a guy and obviously I knew they were going to be looking, but it did seem like, you know, and it still seems like they're still having a hard time convincing some talent to go there. Um, but with this signing, I, I think it's a huge step in the right direction at least. Oh yeah. And, um, Rudy, like he was serviceable in some games, but at mm -hmm. the same time he, he was like a huge money pit. <laughs> yeah. 
Unfortunately, <laughs> so I, yeah, he had to be let go. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely take Sebastian over him any day. I was going to say, he takes a shot from about anywhere. He's, uh, I think Doyle or one of the guys in extra time were basically like, he, he, uh, he never sees a shot he doesn't like. So <laughs> it was oh, yeah. like, he'll just shoot it. He'll go from wherever it might be. Um, and that's pretty much what Maxi has always done. So it, it's interesting to kind of see what the, what that'll look like the attack and how it'll be different this year. Um, but kind of moving on into some other transfers or at least some some signings that they've made. You you mentioned Boniac Garcia, who I thought was very serviceable in the time that he had been there um, with the Dynamo having a, a crucial role. I know last year there were times where he was filling in spots that um, he had not really ever been comfortable playing, but he did it anyway just because it was one of those things that they just needed um, at least some consistency. But they did have a couple departures. Um, from looking at the list, I mean, I don't think it was anything – too crazy i think it, they most of it was that veteran leadership um that, that some of these departures um kind of gave but then they go out and they they signed steve clark who had been with portland uh, a goalkeeper um until 2023 club option 2024 and five um and he's had eight years experience uh has bounced around he's been in a couple of mls cups um won a couple of mls cups uh one with the crew um, or no, sorry, he played with the crew and won one uh, last year. Or no, played with – no, they didn't win any. So playing oh, with teams <laughs> that have played uh, in the MLS Cup final. Um, so he's got experience playing with really good teams, title contending teams. Um, and then they also go out and they sign uh, – or they trade for Daniel Stairs, uh, an L.A. Galaxy defender who uh, is mostly a role defender. Um, I, I think that – Maybe he competes for a starting spot. I, I get. It. I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on these two because while they have nice MLS experience, it did seem like these two were more of just kind of those signings that you need to make. That's a little bit of depth, and maybe they challenge for a starting spot. Oh yeah, uh, before Ferreira came in, uh, Steve Clark was definitely like the biggest signing of the season. Um, obviously, because we needed a starting goalkeeper because marriage was uh, was um, dumped because we had to do that and. One of those things, um, as uh, Daniel Serres, I feel like is is going to be pretty good. Uh, when he's mostly going to be utilized in in, in rotation, uh, only because um, it's going to be uh, teenage and Parker um, a starting role, at, at least the first, a uh, first choice uh, center backs too. But I I obviously like Serres. Um, he is going to be way needed because um, we needed that experience uh, center back, and which is something that we we have been uh, pretty much lacking. And obviously since we got rid of Alejandro Fuenmayor, as well as a minor figure uh, during the off season, and and yeah, um, and I see those holes. Um, I feel like, um, especially for the the goalkeeping role, I feel like it's been it's been something that has been lacking last year, especially since um, Marco Maric. Uh, he had like he had his like a few flashes last season, but like for the most part, it's been negative because he. Um, I'm not sure if you saw. Like there's been a few occasions last year where um, it was a, a, a miscue of his part, just mm-hmm. like uh, doing give, giveaway after giveaway, and it was just pretty frustrating. Um, and and at that point, like like that also served as an opportunity for Michael Nelson, which is like our second string keeper now, to like step up and at least gave us like an opportunity to see what it's made of. And we we managed to see um, those games last year, and we've been overall like impressed by Michael Nelson to the point that he can be a starter and I feel like bringing in Steve Clark and obviously he's he's pretty old but he's still got um, uh, some games left in his tank and he's definitely going to be a starter but at the same time I feel 
I feel like at this at this point, like it can also serve as a transition for uh, Michael Nelson to be to earn the starting role at some point. Are there still any holes that the team is trying to fill, and um, or or do you know of any other names that are maybe being linked to um, other players as the month is starting to wind down here? Yeah, I, I say like the biggest uh, hole, or at least like the biggest need that we have to add to the roster right now will be a um, another right back, or at least like a starter, because I don't think Sarah Valentin is gonna be it should be should be starting at this point. Um, and I'll be happy if he proves me wrong, but like but just based on what I've seen last year, um, he has been burned several times, and and just that 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 right flank just looks pretty worrying, like especially when it comes to uh, rotating back, uh, Cedric Valentin gets beat time after time, and I like Valentin. Like, like he can be pretty good just coming off the bench, but like at this point, he, we definitely need a starter uh, in the back to assist um, the back line. Um, that and one of the positions that have been asked for as well for uh, by fans is um, bringing in another right winger, um, or at least like someone that that can service the um, the right flank. Um, there, there aren't any names. Uh, that are floating around that we know of that are most likely going to happen. Um, but obviously um, with the new international spot that we acquired, there's definitely a good chance that's going to, that's going to be it. It is going to be utilized to, to fill somewhere uh, either in the right flank or somewhere in the, in the midfield. Uh, it's, it was sad to see what's going to happen with that one. Uh, so, and I guess another one I can mention is just that someone that can also relieve Darwin Quintero since he's also pretty old and he's, he's getting to that age. Maybe bring in someone that can also relieve uh, Darwin Quintero, uh, maybe come in the second half to to sub him up. I feel like that that, that can also be like a uh, a good um, option to use that international spot or whatever comes next. I was gonna say it was very interesting that they go out and get that international spot today. That that seemed like a precursor to something that is coming, um, which will be interesting. I, I still feel like this team needs some attacking depth just because, I, like you said, uh, a team that struggled this much to score with just the one uh, addition to it seems a little – it's a little weird um, to add, you know, the one striker. And obviously it's going to take time. Um, I know that we – you know, we've talked about this multiple times when they come in as a number nine right away. It never tends to really go well. Um I know Brenner had, and it's a different situation, obviously, but Brenner comes into Cincinnati last year, uh, really struggles, you know, finding the goal. Um, young players tend to, especially when they're coming from international places, it, it tends to be kind of an adjustment period to kind of figure out, okay, where can we score goals? How do we score goals? Um, and who's around me that can provide, uh, you know, some of these link up passes that we can get on the end of. Um, and you spoke about Darwin Quintero, and, and I found it interesting because I was going back through his stats uh, Andres and he, he played 20 matches and started nine um, you did say he was aging but um, I, I think what a lot of fans are pointing to there was a stat out there that I saw that uh, when he did play when he found the pitch uh, Houston averaged 1.22 points a game um, and without Quintero on the bench or without Quintero on the pitch um, they averaged just 0.76 points a game now obviously there's more to it than that but it does seem like it was very odd that he kind of fallen out um, and you said that you know they're looking for more attacking players to kind of relieve him of you know the time that he spends on the pitch but for me uh, you know is this something that you know he could play more matches or, or is there concern there with health is there concern there with 
you know, reliability, or was it just like a Tab Ramos, you know, decision that he had made that it was just going to be Darwin coming in off the bench and these spots, they really needed some just experience and help. Yeah, we definitely think it's, it's mostly just a decision by Tab that he didn't play at all, like uh, towards the beginning of the season and through, and through the halfway, halfway through at least. And, and, and like, and it was immediate because like, as soon as he started playing, like he, he, mm-hmm. he kept scoring goals right. and we've been, like we've all been wondering, like, like where, why is Darwin Quintero not playing? Like he's like the best Darwin that we have. Like definitely not, <laughs> not, not Saran, but, but like, like yeah, like you, you mentioned it yourself. Like it's, it's like he, um, he puts, he, he still puts up the numbers regardless of his age. Yeah, it's, it's and, crazy. Like he can still, like he can, I, I, I do believe he can still start with the team right now. Like, like he showed it last year. Like he can do it again. Like at least, at least I, I believe for like the next couple seasons and. And and obviously I mentioned that like, we, he could use like another piece of relief in the second half, but at the same time, like he um, like he was willing. Like you have like also this off season, like they let his contract run out and he signed a new one, so he doesn't occupy like a like a DP spot. And and he also like just enjoys talking about like being in Houston, like he he him loving staying in Houston and playing for the team, and like he just he just shows you like he's still dedicated and. And yeah, like it's it's just really awkward, like in, in part of that because he um he maybe he, he it's something like he didn't like about his play style. Maybe he wanted to play like play him differently on the field, uh, but but yeah, like it's it's still very odd. But but yeah, he still he still definitely has um some games left in him. Um, so there was a lot of rotation and inconsistency last year. Um. What pieces do you think are important for building the team forward? I know Logan and I were, you know, Tyler Pasher fans at the beginning of the season last year. But, um, you know, going forward, what what important players are uh, are you building the team around? I feel like um, I, I did mention Fer- Ferreira, and I feel like he's like him as well as uh, the other two, or at least like whoever, how the – the four line structured. I feel like th- that set of players is is definitely gonna be um, a really big piece as to um, how the Dynamo are gonna succeed. But also midfield, midfield wise, I feel like uh, Matias Vera. Um, if they can build a team around him, like like only be- and I'm saying it only because like Matias Vera, like he's one of those players that uh, he's very quiet, but you can. You can definitely appreciate how the, his hard work and how much he has done for the team, like especially through all all these tough years ahead, um, like in the in the past, and just just a team trying to like build something out of it. And we do have like a a lot of of midfielders right now, and like and obviously not, not only Quintero being a piece, but also Coco Carasquilla being a, like an additional piece. Maybe he can like pair up, but I feel like like those pieces together or maybe how it is structured, like either as, as a pivot going forward, um, it's still like, I've, obviously I haven't seen like what um, Paul Nagamura is going to do. Although I think it's going to be more like a fourth three, maybe. Uh, although I'm still quite uncertain because it's still very early in the preseason and we haven't seen much, but I feel like the success is going to be revolving around midfield. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, there, it was. It was like going through all their matches played and minutes played. It was almost like Tab couldn't figure out who he wanted at what point, um, which can't feel good as a as a player and then trying to figure out what that midfield looks like. And that, I think that, you know, just that inconsistency really speaks to kind of, you know, how their struggles on offense translated just because I you know, everything attack. And I, I think it it's interesting just because I, I know there were pieces. I know Memo Rodriguez was somebody that last year a lot of people were talking about, and now he's – pretty much gone non-existent, um, which has been really weird. Um, and, and, you know, Tyler Pasher starting well, like Jordan said. I mean, we I think, Jordan, what, it was probably like the first six weeks or something like that where we it seemed like every day we were just going, man, Tyler Pasher's like got some real good talent. And then all of a sudden he's kind of faded. So it was like, you know, what, you know, where can they find consistency? And, you know, can they keep it, you know, consistent throughout the whole season and find guys because it does seem like, you know, uh, Matias Vera was probably their only real consistency when it came to that midfield last year. Oh yeah, uh, going back to Pasher, we 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 all love Tyler Pasher. Uh, I've definitely like the injuries, like really messed him up last mm-hmm. year. And if it wasn't for uh, those unlucky runs, uh, yeah. we could have definitely score more goals or at least get some more assists. And and yeah, like consistency is going to be the theme. Um, uh, basically, how how the game plan is applied and the decisions made by uh, Coach Nagamura is going to matter. Mm-hmm. All, the, all those uh, things are going to matter. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I try to see if I can think of more things, but yeah, it's just so early. And yeah. I, can re- I can really see, like, I, I can't really paint a picture of the team yet because of that. Um, with all the, uh, with like maybe another player coming in that's going to affect mm-hmm. the, um, the rotation, maybe, but. Yeah, it's just too early for me, but it's it's definitely gonna matter on that. So you talked about um, teenage. You talked about Tim Parker as being guys that were going to be uh, solidifying that back line. Um, but I do want to focus more back on Tim Parker because there there was big talk about him last year. He captained a lot of your guys' games when uh, when he played all matches, um, starting all matches, and really. I mean, he's always been pretty consistent his whole career, uh, and that's a big thing with with Tim and trying to kind of stabilize a back line that um, I'm pretty sure is under um, refurbishment as we speak. But can you kind of talk to uh, the importance of consistency with Parker and, and kind of how do you see his role playing out? Are, are his days numbered, um, years numbered, or do you see him kind of, you know, in a couple of years staying with this back line and building consistency with some other players? Oh yeah, he he can stay he can stay here uh, for a while now. Um, I mean, even even the last year has been pretty dreadful. Like he has he he has some shown some semblance of consistency despite our our flaws on the roster. Mm-hmm. And he pairing up with teenage, um, th- there's been um, glimpses of that. Um, the the things that can definitely work out is just that it's gonna it's gonna depend on how the the roster is is gonna set up on. Uh, uh, by the coach in every game, and, and just going back to what I talked about, Sarek, and not not getting beaten like that, and unless the adjustments are made accordingly, maybe maybe on the on his own side of the flank, um, as opposite to, to teenage, because he at least has some, um, he at least has a leverage with with at the long twist, and uh, even though he he's made some miscues, I feel like teenage is is progressing very well compared to Parker, but at the same time, uh, anything can happen. Because Parker is definitely that that leader on the team that we definitely definitely need at this point and over the years to come, and and yeah, I still believe in Parker. I still believe he can he can do a lot of things here um, in the 
an appropriate time. And obviously, this being a, like a pretty good time for us to uh, start start from scratch, essentially, uh, maybe build something different. Now it's time for my favorite question, uh, the question we always end it with. Uh, what would be a successful season for the Houston Dynamo in 2022? A successful season will be will definitely be squeaking in the playoffs. Well, that's a big ask these days, especially um, us not being in playoffs since 2017 and only once in the last eight years now. And... And yeah, and obviously with a, a new new uh, coach, a new team, a new GM, uh, it seems like a big ask. But I feel like at this point, um, a very successful season will be playoffs, um, or, or at least like a more feasible goal, I like to say, would definitely be showing um, the changes, or at least like make uh, the, the changes to be materialized on the field in the sense that we... We see those consistent results uh, day in and out, or at least every week, or whenever the squad is rotating, like um, for two or three games a week. Um, it's going to be something that we're going to watch closely, and success um, is going to be dependent on that. All right. Well, thank you, Andres. If you want to go ahead and, and tell people where they can find your stuff uh, again. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, at Dynamic Foxtrot uh, on Twitter. It's going to be the place I'm going to be mostly active. And if you guys are interested in uh, uh, in listening on Dynamo Podcast, uh, Noodle Time is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as uh, big platforms like YouTube. Um, we talk talk a lot about Dynamo. We talk about a lot of Dash, our NWSL team. And we just have um, we just love doing it. We are back from our break, and we're back from our interview with Andres. Um, your thoughts, Logan, because I, I think this is probably the most realistic expectations we've had. Mm-hmm. Somebody saying squeaking into the playoffs would be very successful, but the main success would be having showing growth on the field from last year under mm-hmm. this new GM, this new manager. I feel like that is what the benchmark is. Last year, we had had them predicted at 12th place. Yeah. Um, they finished 13th in the West. So we were actually on the money there. Um, we're not going to predict that right now, but I, mm-hmm. I do worry about the team. I, I do think Nagamura is a question mark. Um, I don't know him as well as I know Tab Ramos, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know Tab that well. It's not like I'm friends with him, but I mean, like, <laughs> are you not texting Tab after the yeah, show? Like yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know what I mean? Where I was like kind of familiar with Tab, yeah, and I was like, mean. I'm yeah. not too high on this. And then, yeah. you know, um, it turned out they, they fired him. So I, I think looking at it, I worry for the Dynamo that they couldn't have gotten a more experienced coach in. But if, if Nagamora is, you know, <laughs> Logan froze for a second. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But, you know, if, if if maybe he's buying into what Pat Onstat wants and, and that is why he's picked and why they're going to work together and why it's going to work out. But I think showing some growth is the big thing. What's your thoughts on, on maybe the, the steps forward here for the Dynamo and, and all that? Yeah, I think what you said is right. Um, growth is what this team needs to see. Uh, am I frozen again? Is that why you're laughing? No? Oh, okay. Uh, he's laughing in my video, and I can see you laughing. Um, 
No, but I, it, it's what this team needs, right? They, they need to see growth because there's been a, it's been a long time since this team has really felt substantial growth and, and growing back in the right direction. Um, and Tab's experiment last year just seemed like, if you, I mean, seriously, go and look at the, the minutes played. It's a scatter number of players that have had um, that he tried and like, oh, well, that, that didn't work so well. So we're going to go try something else. And, you know, with injuries mixed in, I do feel like Tab was always trying to monitor and figure out what is it that this team needs. And I'm not sure he ever knew what the team needed. Um, I, I think that was a big issue with the Dynamo um, last year. And then kind of moving into this year, like you said, Jordan, I, I think it, it's interesting that they go out and they nab Nagamura. I think bringing in a coach that has uh, assistant coach experience, but no MLS uh, head coach experience dealing with professionals. That's a totally different game. I mean, you're dealing with youth Academy players who are trying to prove themselves and you're going to get, you know, guys that work hard for you that want to be part of a team that want to show they can be part of a team that want to show that they can grow and they're, they're going to be more interested in trying to please you as the head coach, whereas you've got professionals now. I mean, if you've got issues with a professional, it becomes toxic. It's a toxic culture. It's a toxic locker room. Do I think that's going to happen? No. I, I think they do have a great group of guys. I think that they, they can build chemistry with this club, but I just don't think the pieces are good enough. I mean, we've seen guys like Memo Rodriguez who they – I mean, last year, Jordan, I remember hyping him up and people hyping him up they were like, basically, this could be his breakout year. He could become that guy in the midfield. Reminds me of Pochettino. Yeah. Yes, he really, it really does. It's kind of like Memo was growing and then could have grown into like a Shofis, like a uh, Maxi Morale, somebody like that in the midfield that can kind of be that wizard. But he never turned into that. Now he's fallen so far off the depth chart, I don't even know where his name is. I mean, it's it's so difficult. Tyler Pasher was probably their best player last year. If he plays consistently, and doesn't get hurt. And, you know, within the first six or seven games, it seems like the consistency dropped off the playing time and he's been hurt and he couldn't come back. And it, there was just issues um, all across the board. Um, but again, I, I'm worried about this team too. Uh, big, big question mark. I would say that that is like, um, I guess we're, we're being a little too kind. If we say it's a big question mark, it's a huge question mark, right? What is this team going to do? What is Nagamura going to do with his team? Can he get them playing together? Um, and they're number nine. I'm going to warn you now. Like we, we've 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 always thought they could come in and do it, Jordan. But when has the last number nine stepped into this league and right off the bat, boomed? Uh, I guess Joseph would be the closest thing to booming that you would get, right? But other than that, this league is so much different than what people think. It'll be interesting. We'll see. We'll see how it goes here. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna give us a follow, or if you wanna reach out to us, you can follow us or contact us at on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, email us Stateside Show at gmail.com. And uh, next week we've got some, uh, I think Union, some Minnesota Loons. So. <laughs> We got some stuff scheduled here that uh, we'll have a good time with. And uh, just want to thank everybody for your support. And we'll catch you next time. Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. 
We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.